I will thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. A man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition reject, knowing that he as such is subverted, sorry, subverted and sinned, being condemned of himself. When I shall send Artemis unto thee, or Hypus, be diligent to come unto me to Nicopolis, for I will I have determined there to winter. Bring Zenus, the lawyer, and Apollos on their journey diligently, that nothing be wanting unto them. And let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses, that they be not unfruitful. All that are with me salute thee, greet them that love us in faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. Heavenly Father, please help us to understand what you want to teach us from your word today. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Help us to go out from here, still contemplating what you've told us, what's in your word. We want to hide your word in our hearts, and we want to, to do that so it keeps us from sinning against you. We want to honor you with our, our words and our deeds and everything that we do. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. So, I think what's really interesting right off the hop is it says, this is a day for the same. Can anybody tell me what that makes them think when they hear the words faithful same? Is there another word that's used in the Bible that's very similar? Faithful same. Trustworthy? Trustworthy, okay. A true word. True word, that'd be good, yeah. How about gospel? It's a good news, isn't it? Gospel is a faithful saying. So it's very interesting because this is a this book is like condensed soup of so much stuff in the Bible, and and we keep seeing the gospel come up in Titus. So we're going to see it come up again in this context. Faithful saying. Paul says it several times. This is a faithful saying. He says it four times in the scripture, which is also interesting because there are how many gospel? There are four gospels. I love that stuff. I love that how God is so ordered. So, gospel uh, means good news, faithful saying. I think it's very similar. Uh, the first time it comes up in the scriptures is 1 Timothy um, 1. And it starts off with, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God. I'm, I'm not going to read every part of every passage that I put together uh, because it would be a lot. But I'll read parts of it. So between 1 Timothy 1, 11 to 16, it says, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God. And it goes on to say, and the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to everlasting life. So again, faithful saying, the gospel. Do you think this is a pattern? 
First Timothy 4, 4 to 10. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused, if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by God and prayer, the word of God and prayer. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained, but refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness, for bodily exercise profit little. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise of life that now is, and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer approach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially those that believe. Again, the Gospel. He's the Savior of all men. And I also find it very interesting that our verse 8 in Titus says that we need to affirm these things constantly, and here we've seen that we're supposed to put the brethren in remembrance of all things. We're supposed to put the brethren in remembrance of the gospel. At one point, Paul says, I preach Christ and him crucified. So what's the core message that he's always focused back on? It's the gospel. So we're to put the brethren in remembrance that God has made a way to clean the unclean sinners. He sanctifies us by the word of God and prayer. We are nourished uh, in, in words of faith. And remember, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Works don't merit godliness. Faith does. So, as Lauren said right at the beginning of the communion time, you can't work your way into heaven. There's nothing you can do to get yourself there. Of course, the other side of the coin is really great, because there's nothing you can do to get yourself unsaved. So if you give your life to Jesus Christ, you're sealed with promise. So your works can't undo God's work. His work is ultimate, right? So that I think is very important. Second, and the third time the faithful saying comes up is in 2 Timothy. Titus and Timothy, they just seem to just mesh all the time. Um, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard um, of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou as faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Remember, put them in remembrance, constantly, um, sorry, it said, uh, affirm constantly. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. Of these things, put them in remembrance. Charge them before the Lord, that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Fourth time, sorry, that was just the second time you heard the faithful saying. The third time, sorry, I'll give myself all confused now. Verse 8 of Titus 3 is the fourth time we get the faithful saying. And, of course, it says, this is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God, believe, that's the heart of the gospel, to believe in God, might be careful to maintain good works. 
And these things are going to profit unto men. So now we can establish number one, faith. Does it come first? Yes. You got to believe first. Now, let's talk about good works. Because good works come from our faith, don't they? They don't get us into heaven. It's not good works that build our, that establishes our faith. It's the other way around. It's, it's our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that will produce fruit in us. In Matthew 5, we're told, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Sorry. Neither do men light a candle. And put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. Why good works? Because it's your responsibility to show the light of the gospel to the world. That's why we're going to do this. When you share the gospel, you're sowing seeds of the word of God into the hearts of men and women and children that they might believe in Jesus Christ and have eternal life. Other works are good, like taking care of those and orphans. And so many physical needs. In fact, James wrote about those things. He says, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he's like a man, beholding his natural face in a glass and a mirror, and beholding himself, and goeth away, and straight, straight away forgetteth what manner a man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he, being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any among you seems to be religious and bridled not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and keep himself unspotted from the world. So not to, to take down how important these things are, they are very important that we are taking care of widows and orphans and caring for those in need. And also his final statement, keeping ourselves unspotted from the world. But our ultimate objective will be to share the gospel with others. Back in the spring, maybe late winter, I had the opportunity to preach on John 15. In John 15, it talks about being uh, part of the vine. So Jesus says, I'm the vine, we are the branches. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. He goes on to say, As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I am him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. So, you don't bring forth fruit, you're clipped off. You attach the vine, you are going to bring forth fruit. What's the fruit? It's the good works. What are the good works? Jump ahead my own notes. Righteousness, faith, 
charity, peace, come back to that. Those who believe in God will do good works. And why? Because if you're in the Word, the Word is going to prepare you to do good works. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. So we stay plugged in the vine of Jesus Christ, who's the Word, and that is going to give us all the things we need to do to do good works. In fact, really, if you're going to stay in the Word of God, you're not going to be able to help but do good works. If you're going to allow the Holy Spirit to work in you, and you're going to obey God's Word, you can't help but share the gospel. Okay? Because God's Word doesn't come back void. It's going to produce fruit in you. And then you're going to sow seeds in somebody else's life, that's going to produce fruit. And that's going to keep going up. That's why we saw it in, in Mark 4, Matthew 13, the, the sower goes out and sows the seeds. And it, four, there's four soils, three of those soils comes, comes to nothing. But the fourth soil, fourth gospel, produces fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. And it just keep producing. Good works follow belief. Belief first, good works follow. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, this is Ephesians 2, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, have quickened us, that's to give us life, together with Christ, by grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that of not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not works that gets us in heaven. But listen, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Isn't that why we're created? For his good pleasure? My, my, my children have memorized uh, Revelation 4.11, which talks about how um, all things were created for his pleasure. We're created there unto good works to please the Lord. Jesus, Jesus under good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. This has been established since the beginning. Since before the beginning, God ordained that's what we would do. So here's the charge. Walk worthy of your calling. That ye might walk worthy of your calling unto, uh, of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's Colossians 1. And in 2 Timothy 2, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. It's talking about some dross that need to be purged out. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, and peace. Righteousness, faith, charity, and peace. With them that call on the Lord out of pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strikes. 
And the servant of the Lord must not strive. Be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, and meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. Remember, we are going to keep it in remembrance. In summary, good works are righteousness, pursuing righteousness in your own life, keeping yourself unspotted from the world. Faith is sharing the gospel and sound doctrine in the lives of those who are around you. Charity, serving the needs of others. That's the caring for the widows and for the orphans and for those who are in need, visiting those in prison, feeding those who are hungry, clothing those who are naked. Peace, behaving meekly and seeking peace and not contentious. Probably related things to remember in these times which are a turmoil and hard to know what to do with what's going on in the world. Verse 9. I'm sorry, I kind of dwell on verse 8 a lot, but it's the gospel, and I think so core. But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and striving about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. So, we started off with something very positive. Now it's negative. Proverbs 18 says, A fool's lips enter into contention, and his mouth calls for strokes. A fool's mouth is his destruction, and lips are the snare of his soul. The words for tailbearer are as wounds, and they go down to the innermost parts of the belly. Really, we need to be careful about getting into strife and contention. And I think that's why peace was mentioned in that list from Ephesians, sorry, from uh, Second Timothy. You know, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. We've got to be careful that we don't get into strife and contentions over things that are vain. A whip for the horse, a bridle for the ass, a rod for the fool's back. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like him. Is it worth chasing those things? Do you guys know where strife comes from? Where contentions come from? What the, the root of it is? Only by pride can contention. So oftentimes, if we're getting in that place, it's because we want to show that you're right. Isn't it? I know that's for myself. Lots of times where I want to get in that argument or have that final word or have that statement, it's because it's pride. You know, the Bible also says that knowledge puffed up. It's good to have knowledge. In fact, without knowledge, uh, the Bible says that my people perish for lack of knowledge. So we know that it's important to know our word of God, but also has something that we can be very wary of. That's whether it puffed up. That's up. Like a toad. Or like a, you see the grouse and they huff up their, their necks as they're striking. <laughs> and it can be subtle, or Satan subtle. So he's trying to deceive us subtly. He's going to just try and get you to be proud a little bit. If he gets you proud a little bit, it's still proud. Right? No. Yeah, that's a problem. And that's the hardest one to fight. There's less of the flesh, less of the eyes, and the pride of life of the three basic sins that you have, right? 
and that product one is so hard. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Seek those things, or, or uh, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And Christ, who is our life, shall appear. Then shall he also appear with him in glory. Goes on, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Now, probably contextually, we're dealing with the genealogies referring to. So, which are you from? Are you Jewish? Are you? Do you have any Jew in you? You know, I think that was probably one of the things that's going on there. But today, we actually have things that go on there a little bit too. Maybe it might be what denomination book. Okay? What's your Christian genealogy? What's your history? Right? I've been asked before, um, are you from this group? Or are you from this group? Or whatever. Sometimes it could cloud a little bit. Right? Hmm. It's kind of interesting. Does it really matter what you grew up in? And what church you grew up in? Or does it matter what your faith is now? Do you trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation? And you trust his word. Are you going to follow that? That's what matters. How about real genealogy studies? Who does that today? Who studies genealogies and puts millions of dollars into that? Not Mormon college. <laughs> no, not Mormons. Mormons. That's right. You start tracing back to 23 and me, and who's invested a lot of money in that one? Or Ancestry.com. Or uh, FamilySearch.com, or there's actually lots. They've got a whole bunch of different ones out there. Why do they do that? I'll tell you why. From newsroom.churchofjesuschrist.org, uh, it says Latter day Saints believe that the eternal joining of families is possible through sacred sealing ceremonies that take place in temples. These temple rites may also be performed by proxy for those who have died. Consequently, for Latter day Saints, genealogical research or family history is the essential forerunner for temple work for the dead. In Latter-day Saints' belief, the dead have the choice to accept or reject the service performed for them. Wow, take away the work of Christ, right? If you could do a ritual, then you get your old deceased family member back in heaven. Hmm. That's a heresy, isn't it? He's made clear regarding race and gender that in the kingdom of heaven, those who are saved are going to be all like. What are they going to be like? Like angels. Right? He's talking about Sadducees, and he finishes says, You can err not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God, for in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. So you get to look like something a bit different in heaven than you do now. We know that's true, we get a new body, right? Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 15. The old one's sown, it's gone, it dies, we get to get a new body, which is amazing. Celestial body. In Galatians 3, it says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for they are all one in Christ. If you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. Okay, I think we can 
pathway genealogies, and the worrisome about that, but you can see where people get lost and off track. And again, what's it going to produce? Striking contention. Okay. Contention says, or Proverbs 13, 10 says, only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised wisdom. Contention opposes wisdom. That's interesting, isn't it? Want to be wise? Leave off contentions. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Let not every man um, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. I think if we decide in our hearts to put other people's needs before our own, then we're not going to be worried so much about our right that we're right, and contentions will cease. Wrathful men stir up strife. Hatred stirreth up strife, but love covereth all sins. A wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeases strife. And James tells us, Wherefore, my brethren, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Put that one in your brain, walk out with it later, and think about that. I know for myself, I'm often quick to anger and quick to get in myself in trouble. We're supposed to be slow, listen, slow to speak. Well, I'm not that slow to speak. <clears throat> okay, quick story. I was at. Um, uh, we call it Alana Underground. We were at the Alana group. Uh, we were invited to Nanaimo, and I'm um, first time meeting them, and of course, I started talking about just everything. Of course, it goes on and on and on, Bible stuff, Bible stuff, Bible stuff, Bible stuff. And then my wife says she talks to the people after, like, oh yeah, they really have to get to know you. It's like, well, it's talking a lot. <laughs> they don't get to know me much because I just kept crumbling on and on and on. So, <laughs> Quick story sometimes, you know, it's good, fun stuff and excites me. You need to listen closely. Scorns and slanders bear fruit of strife. An ungodly man thinketh of evil, and his lips, in his lips, there is a burning fire. A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separated chief friends. A froward man, perversely perverse, sows strife and contentions. And we're supposed to be sowing the word of God, the seeds of the word of God, truth. And love, and charity. Cast out the scorner, and contention shall go out. Yea, strife and reproach shall cease. And contentions come from heresies. In 1 Corinthians 11, 16, 19, if any man seem to be contentious, we have such, we have no such custom, neither the church of God. And it goes on to say, for first of all, when ye come together in church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must also be heresies among you, that they which are approved may be manifest among you. So there's a little helper there. If we have major problems in the church, and you've got somebody stirring up a group in the church, there's going to be division because somebody's telling their own agenda or some heresy or something, and they're causing a gap, causing a division. 
which leads us to verse 10. Verse 10, a man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition rejects, knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth and being condemned of himself. Sometimes I'm, I'm told I have strong opinions or strong beliefs. I think everybody should have strong beliefs, actually. I think you should get in the Word of God, read it, study it, and believe it. Believe it strongly. Be willing to listen to somebody else when they say, this is what I read, this is what I understand, and be willing to consider that and be agreeing. Go back to the scriptures. Is that true, what's being said? However, I have strong beliefs about something, and I go and I push it, particularly in the face of uh, authority. Uh, well, he said, don't do this, or don't talk about this, or whatever, and I push my own agenda, then what am I doing? I'm causing strife and contention. So, again, all in my pride kind of contention. Now, if I really believe something that needs to be shared the truth, then I'm asked not to, or if I know it's going to cause contention is right, what ought I do? Pray. Trust the Lord to do the work. Isn't the Holy Spirit the one who prepared the hearts of people? He's the one that, that does that work. So if, if God wants that change to happen, then he says, well, he's going to make it happen. So just trust the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not on thine own understanding. And all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall prepare a path. So heresy. Whosoever transgresses and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you, bring not this doctrine, receive him not in your house, neither bid him God speed. For he that biddeth him God speed is a partaker of the evil deeds. So, hello, we're from the Church of Jesus Christ and Latter-day Saints. Or, hello, we're from the Jehovah's Witness group, or whatever other group is coming to your door and saying, we would like to share the awake book with you, or the watchtower, or whatever heresies trying to come in, don't tell them, God bless you. Don't say, go, you know, go in peace, God bless you. I'm not saying you need to be mean to them. No, pray for them. But don't go get, don't condone their actions. Don't wish them Godspeed. Listen, you have to give a long time to be careful who you we're actually told to be careful who lay hands on. Who we're, who we're giving that blessing to. Right? Careful who you're blessing if you don't know, or if you know that they're not speaking the truth, do not bless them in that. Pray for them, that they would be confronted with their sins, that they would recognize Jesus Christ died for them, they would trust in Jesus, and then they would be saved. Hebrews 13 says, Jesus Christ is saying, Yesterday and today and forever be not carried about by diverse and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. One of the obvious heresies that's out there is that you can work your way into heaven, which we've already basically grilled out of this one. But isn't it true that that's out there, that the, the people say, well, you know, um, you got to work with heaven. Here's, here's one that comes in the church right now. It's called Hebrews. And they say, in order to keep um, the law, you have to worship on Sunday. Um, Seventh-day Adventists do that as well. 
in order to keep the law, you have to go back and do all the Jewish uh, rituals. You have to do the Jewish traditions in order to keep the law. So Christ died for you, but you need to add all that stuff again. That's in the Old Testament. That's Hebrews. The Roman Catholic Church says, yes, Christ died for you that one time, but what we need to do to keep it going is keep doing the Mass and keep re-crucifying him every week. And if you don't go there, it's kind of a moral sin. So that's not good for you, right? I know, well, if you want to be absolved of your sins, you can help us out a little bit. Right? And for your loved one, you could put a little card down here with a check inside of it, and we'll pray over your dead loved one for you. Love money is through the volume. Other heresies. Jesus is the Son of God. Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus is a demigod, not the Son of God. Mormons believe that Jesus is the brother of Satan. And that there are many gods from an eternal, eternalness of gods creating worlds, these people evolving to godhood, having their own planets and doing the same thing over and over and over again. They're called this, actually. How about Jesus Christ not coming in the flesh? John actually warned us. He says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they be of God. Remember, Brians were more noble than the best likens because they checked to see whether or not what was being said uh, was according to the scriptures. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world, hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus is come in the flesh is of God. Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, is a God. Note the statement, Jesus Christ. We're talking about the Son of God, come in the flesh. And next month we're going to be preaching on creating the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. See the angel certainly. 1 Timothy 3.16. Every spirit that confesses not that Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God. So, everyone or anyone who comes in and doesn't believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, the Son of God, the Spirit of Christ God, right? Well, Jesus just had the Spirit of Christ, but so did Muhammad, and so did, you know, the Zoroastra and all these other gurus that are out there, and that Spirit just moves around between different people. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, came in the flesh. Anyone who does, doesn't come and tell you that, or won't actually tell you that, they have a different spirit. If they have a different spirit, they aren't believers. Not in the Bible. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, where you heard that it should come, even now is already in the world. There are a lot of false doctrines inside the church. Um, how many have heard that the gap theory is ideas where God used evolution to create man? Right? The Bible says that um, before Adam, there was no death in the world. 
But evolution says there's all this death that had to come about until we could evolve an atom. Doesn't work. They're incompatible. Well, Mormons tried to get compelled because you could become this god if you wanted to. But Satan, Satan started with that one, and he said, Yeah, God said, Did God really say that? There's the first, first clue. He's calling me to question God's word. He says, God really say that? Ye shall be as gods unto the people. Right? Evolution. Right there. You can become like God. And that happens in our churches. Same with the Hebrew roots, same with, I mean, the Roman Catholic Church is considered a church, isn't it? Right? You have to be careful because Roman Catholic Church, by the way, says that if you believe you are saved by grace and faith alone in Jesus Christ, which is fundamental to our gospel, then you are anathema. And they wrote that down 120 times in the, in the canons and decrees of the Council of Trent. They said that if you believe that you are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross, you are not, which is cursed. That's what Catholic Church is. Just don't get confused because it looks like a church. It's like walks like a duck, walks like a duck, it's not a duck. It looks like a church, but there's something wrong with There's a lot of people that. They're adding works to a, a, to a gospel. You cannot get saved in Catholic Church unless you are doing works, unless you're performing the seven sacraments. You cannot become saved. So, Watch that one. I'll probably, probably lose some friends on this one. How about God's word is only preserved in heaven? That's one that's subtle. Well, God's word is only in heaven. Actually, there's a passage in Deuteronomy that says, uh, it's not in heaven, so that you can't say that it's in heaven. It's here. I wrote it down for you. In fact, God went through his finger on rocks to make sure that you had a good hard copy of it all. Right? Even that Timothy, the Paul's telling Timothy, from thy youth, thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. You don't say Holy Scripture if you didn't have access to Holy Scripture. And you go, 3,000 years of history there. He didn't have an original copy. Right? And he didn't have the one that was in heaven. He had a copy of the Scriptures. That's holy. Okay? So subtle little heresy. Sometimes these come in. There's lots. I'm not sure you know them. But... Um, the doctrine of propitiation. Propitiation means Jesus Christ died once. And of course, there's the idea that he has to be crucified. Again, that's Catholic doctrine. It kind of worked its way back into some other churches, some of the Lutheran churches, some of the very Catholic-like churches. Start to redo the Eucharist again. To, but we have communion, and we're remembering what Jesus Christ has done. Those elements are symbols. They remind us that Jesus died. His body was, was just shredded. His beard ripped out. He went through so much torment, paid the full price for our sins, and then rose again victorious. And we're washed because of the shedding of his blood. We're washed clean. That's what we remember. Catholic Church says, they say uh, uh, magic words, which is actually where Hocus Pocus comes from, the Hocus Forum, etc., etc. And all of a sudden, this wafer becomes Christ. And this wine which is actually full alcoholic wine, becomes his blood. And now you might eat it. That's a candle. Transubstantiation. Okay. And it's done by magic words. It's actually where the whole process is done at this point. And we're down that road long. 
How about the word of God's not your final authority? There's another one that comes in, right? Um, the living word. You've heard of that before? The living word. So, yeah, there's the scriptures. But the Holy Spirit inside you is going to correct you now. So, but, you know, God told me this. And so this is what i got to do. Well, that kind of contradicts what it says in the Bible. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit told me it's right for me to do this. It's right for me to marry that person. Or it's right for me to do this sin. But, but the Bible says you can't do that. No, I have the Holy Spirit. Right? I have this experience. And now the Holy Spirit tells me everything I need to do. Go back to what John said about the spirit of Antichrist and check that one out. Because I'm not so sure that you have the same spirit. Because, well, I know you don't. If it doesn't agree with the scriptures, it doesn't. It's a different spirit. Uh, yes? Sorry. Um, I was just having this conversation yesterday with a friend who was reading a book by Peter Enns about um, this, about how the Bible is written. And one of the things that I'm also hearing multiple times lately is, well, the Bible doesn't say it's inerrant. And, and I, I don't that the Bible doesn't say itself doesn't, is inerrant? It, yeah, itself doesn't say it's inerrant. Oh. And so people are sort of like, well, you have to look at the cultural context, and, and then I feel so stuck. Wait, uh, sorry. <laughs> I know you better than that. Psalm 12. And there are more. We can probably go through a lot, at least seven specific scriptures to do that one. But some. 12, 6 to 7 says, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Is that sealed for you? How about Matthew 24, 21, Mark 13, where he says, This generation may pass away, but the word of the Lord will never pass away. Or 1 Peter 1, 23, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Incorruptible. Can't get more perfect than that, right? For all flesh is as grass, and the glory of man is as a flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower fadeth thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. Isaiah 48. What are we Isaiah 48. Grass and flowers oh. fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Yes, 40%. Yeah. Yes, quote, yeah, quite a Yeah. You know, I see that. Quote, that's me. Cool. Okay. From home church. So heretics will come. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, this is first, uh, first Timothy 4. Now the Spirit. Speaking expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. That's that spirit against Christ. And the doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, 
having their conscience seared with a hot iron. So incidentally, you can argue with them, but their conscience is seared. Right? And you got to go through a hard, cakey crust to get in there and find soft tissue. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, uh, that would also be the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Brethren, if I can warn you of anything, it's going to wax worse. Like, if we aren't in the beginning of sorrows, we're in the beginning of the beginning of sorrows. And there will be false prophets rising up to deceive. And they are going to come in, and guess what they wear? Yes, they do. They are ravening wolves, but they wear sheep's clothing. They come in looking like a lamb, looking all clean on the outside, but inside they're ravening wolves, and they want to destroy you. Which could actually research ravening the Bible. That's all the way back to Gideon. Uh, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of, of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. So, they may look like the tree, that's a good tree. Okay, they may have the foliage. Wait for the fruit. Watch for the fruit. And that's a good point for us to be really careful when somebody comes in and starts telling us something. Okay, let's compare it to scripture and let's watch for their fruit. What is their fruit? And that will always tell us. That's what we're, we're told by Jesus that will be to tell. Watch for the fruit. Do they have fruit of love? Do they have the fruit of care and compassion? Do they remain unspotted from the world? Those good works are there to help us to identify whether that person is a sheep or a fast wolf. Right. What's the term for wolf? Wolf. Good. French is loon. Not loon. And John 1, 2, 18-23, now this is something to be really careful of. Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard, Antichrist shall come. Even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. That's important. They came out from us, but they were not of us. What does that mean? They grew up in church. They knew how to talk evangelistically. They knew all the, the, the Bible verses that they memorized in Sunday school. And yet, they have a different spirit, and they're going to produce different fruit. Watch for that one. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out, they might be made manifest that, that they were not all of us. But you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. Really, we need to discern. So, how do we do that? We stay in our Bibles. That's the knowledge. Get in our Bibles. We keep ourselves unspotted from the world. 
We serve the Lord with our hearts. And we are watching, aren't we? That's our job, is to watch. We stand on the wall, we watch. Hey, our walls bad things. Like, you know, Trump and his wall. Is that a bad thing? A lot of people have different opinions. They're probably going to pull out the political line there. <laughs> but think about it for a minute. Nehemiah comes back, and what's the first task he's got at hand? The wall. And there, it's a good work, actually, if you read it. I, I, I pulled the verse up, but it says that they were doing a good work building the wall, building defenses, protecting out that the heresies, protecting out these guys that were coming in to subvert, to destroy. And how did they do it? One hand on the work, the other hand on what? The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So, you do your good works one hand, on the other hand, you do the work. So you can watch and be ready for when the enemy comes. And he will Many different ways. Like human. Verse 14 finishes with, Let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses, that they be not unfruitful. So I would end you off with, Greet them that love us in faith. Grace be with you all. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. Help us to do good works to honor you, to show the world that we are lights and that we're really reflecting your light of the gospel. Help us to be ready to speak your word boldly to those. And please prepare their hearts to listen. And please protect us. Armor us up. Help us to discern and recognize when those wolves are coming, and you're able to stand against it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We trust you. We trust you in the fruit. We trust you in the protection. We trust that you'll continue to build your church. You'll, you'll protect this one here. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Name.